We usually say we're live. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. It gets anyway. people excited. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we're really excited, though, uh, to have with us today. We've been trying to kind of firm these guys down for a while. Uh, the one, the only, the beloved Smart Drone. Smart Drones. Uh, I was going to say Smart Drone Brothers. The Wilson Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Eric and Hayden Wilson of Smart Drones. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming, you guys. Um, we, like I said, we're not, you know, we're not sure where this this is going to go, but uh, um, we've been, you know, big fans of you guys since we met, since you guys first showed off your, at that time was the biggest drone I had ever seen, and then the fact that you were pairing it with a red camera was uh, just, you know, obviously something to, uh, to be envious of, for sure. Um, but not only that, then, so obviously seeing the stuff that you guys have, have been a part of in your, in your, you know, you guys, how old are you guys? Uh, I'm 25 yeah. and I'm uh, 23, but I'm 24 in a couple days here. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So not even a quarter century. And I mean, you've already got some big, uh, credits to your name Yeah. already. I think, uh, you know. Yeah, you guys will want to maybe just tell us a little bit about what you've worked on, some of the bigger um, stuff. Well, I guess if I had to go from, like, biggest, I'll start there. Like, the, the biggest thing we've ever done work for was uh, X-Men Apocalypse. That mm-hmm. whole thing, how that came about, was mm-hmm. one kind of crazy story and all that. But we've also had the pleasure to do some work for, like, Netflix as well. Uh, we've done some work for some like BBC productions, mm-hmm. um, some other stuff we've done yeah. is, uh, some NBC universal productions as well for a show called the detour. Um, lately we've been doing work on a lot of like local Canadian TV shows, like, uh, the Jan Arden show oh, yeah. and, um, Winona Earp. Winona Earp. That's yeah. another one. That one's got a pretty big following. Um, yeah. We've also done some work on a CBC show that's, I think they're releasing it soon. I'll be honest, I'm terrible with like following the stuff I work on, but (laughs) Fortunate Son, it's like a war, uh, like a Vietnam war uh, kind of drama series. I believe it's a CBC, I'm Mm -hmm. not 100% sure, but Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, I think, coming out soon and we did a bunch of work on that show as well. So yeah, yeah, quite a a few things, I guess. Yeah, I'm just kind of collecting it all. No, that's 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 amazing. I remember the first time I had... Yeah, I mean that was the big thing when I heard was you know X Men Apocalypse and yeah and you know as as uh, you know many filmmakers and, and photographers ourselves you know you I think we're all shooting for the stars and mm-hmm. and I think uh, when it comes to you know media you're looking at New York you're looking at Hollywood mm-hmm. so and just to just the fact that like you know you guys are local you know homegrown boys you know and young and young guys at that to sort of have had these opportunities it's like we want to know yeah what like i'm sure and i'm sure everybody listening would want to know like how does what what what, what's your story i guess or how did that come about for you you kind of alluded to the story of getting on the x-men so i don't know if you want to just maybe share that well funny enough that was actually the first project we uh did Uh, we started big with (laughs) x-men apocalypse (laughs) like in a film in in, in like a film sense we'd we'd done like obviously like lots of drone work prior to that and all that um Mm -hmm. but kind of going back to what you just said there about how when everyone's thinking about big productions they're thinking new york and you're thinking Mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. well a lot of the, yeah, a lot of these productions, that's kind of like where a lot of the production and stuff happens. But uh, one thing that I think a lot of people kind of lose touch with, especially with here in Alberta, is lots of these shows, they 
those mm-hmm. environments don't exist in New York and they don't right. exist in, in, in mm-hmm. LA and Calgary in particular is like a huge uh, location shoot like mm-hmm. Inception was filmed in Calgary The Revenant was filmed mm-hmm. in Calgary Interstellar was filmed in Calgary mm-hmm. like I could go on there's so mm-hmm. many like large uh, you know blockbuster Hollywood mm-hmm. movies with A-list actors mm-hmm. that film down in Calgary and people are thinking, oh, you need to be in New York and L.A. to, right. you know, be involved with yeah. these big productions. And that's not true at all. Yeah. So the que- I have a question then on, on that, because actually, yeah. I don't know if I've referred to it a couple of times on the podcast, but I was, um, you know, I got into, like, I was uh, an actor for a while. And I so I had an, oh, no an eight. Yeah, so I had an eight. I was with the Great West Canadian Talent. Okay. Shout out to Bill Davidson. Um, you know, ever since I was, I think I was like 12 and I started acting classes with him. Anyway... At the time, um, I, I wouldn't have known any better, any different that, you know, at the time there was sort of this booming little, because of the fact that you said, like, because of the environments that Edmonton and, and uh, you know, like the, the sort of the, the, the prairie land and the western yeah. and the mountains, there was actually quite a bustling movie scene in Edmonton. And so, you know, upsprung all these different uh acting agencies and local talent was was yeah. i was being sent out to auditions having said that though and i'm not pursuing it actively i still you know my agent will hassle me like i still call my agent because mm-hmm. a number of years ago i started doing photos for him so i've remained connected um but i'm so i've kind of remained connected through the photography doing photos of these actors but what i've learned from him is that the, the that that eight um it's kind of slowed down a bit. So my yeah. question would be then is... Particularly in Edmonton. Okay, yeah. yeah. You mentioned Calgary specifically. Yeah, so, and okay. I think the kind of... the And I could be wrong here, but I think my kind of... The two reasons for that is one, uh, the reason a lot of it goes to Calgary versus Edmonton is because mm-hmm. Calgary, you have like five different like biomes that you can go to that within like right. an hour of the city. You know yeah. what I mean? You can be in the mountains. You can be in the foothills. You can be right. in the prairie. Right. You can be in the bad Very diverse. You have the city. Yeah. There's like, there's so much to work with from like a locations perspective. Yeah. And that's yeah. what draws productions yeah. there. Um, and then I think the other thing was, I think, um, and this is like, I, I haven't been in this industry long enough mm-hmm. to really speak to this too much, but my understanding is that there was a lot more grant programs okay. back in the day that yeah. really kind of fueled right. the Edmonton film industry. And my understanding is a lot of those grants don't exist anymore right. and all that. So that's kind yeah. of yeah. what was allowing a lot of this yeah. Edmonton production. I could be wrong. Like there could be a lot of other reasons, yeah. but. And yeah, if I recall just talking with some people on set that there is a, um, a larger indoor studio in Edmonton, but, um, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, film studios, yeah, yeah. And, and so, and uh, what, from our understanding with that uh, discussion is that it worked really well because of those grants. But, um, now that those are no longer really in place, the rates to film inside mm-hmm. that studio in Edmonton, it's uh, comparable to one that's in LA and New York. Right. So the budgets of the production, they just don't really support yeah. it anymore. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So, so I guess then, um, you guys had said, so you, you know, you, uh, I guess there's two parts to this story, but you know, maybe we can skip to, uh, uh, so how, I guess from the, you said you were sort of flying drones and you'd done drone stuff, but mm-hmm. then sort of, you kind of launched into X-Men Apocalypse yeah. out of nowhere. So, you know. Yeah, how did well, that how that happen? how that all kind of happened is it happened very quickly, it happened really quickly. Like it happened like I was like for starters, I ha- like what got us X Men was me just working on a passion project was all it was, 
it was me, I got some footage of the mountains and uh, I put this video together. And this video, uh, I put it online and it got, I think, like 17 views the first week or something. It was <laughs> nice. it was like I had a few yeah. friends and family check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah then, it's more than our podcast, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, so then, um, then I had this uh, buddy of mine uh, share it on some subreddit on okay. reddit and this video at the time it was like uh drone the drone fad was just kind of starting right then right. right so drones were very kind of viral they were a viral new thing at the time right mm-hmm. probably not a, regu- a lot of regulations and stuff like that either uh they were still kind of figuring, figuring out, out that yeah. yeah like the, there, were, there were definitely regulations back then but they were a lot more mm. gray like they're uh now that's a lot more clear and what you can and can't do and mm-hmm. what you got to do to be able to do mm-hmm. certain things or as then mm-hmm. it was kind of gray but anyhow um from there, uh, this video, uh, in just a f- like hours, got like tens of thousands of views, and um, like wow. really quickly, just like in a few hours, it just shot right up to the the top of the subreddit, and I got this Facebook message. It was just like, it, and I thought it was like like you know some spam message or something, mm-hmm. and it was from this uh, lady in Scotland or Ireland or Britain somewhere in Europe, and she worked for a company called Storyful. And, um, they are a they viral are, aggregator. Yeah. They're a viral aggregator. So they go and essentially if there's like a video that's the potential mm, to go yeah, viral, they'll yeah. go and they'll license it. Right. They'll push it through their, their, their network and their network is massive because they're a subsidiary of News Corp. Mm-hmm. who's like one of the five, like there's five media, um, outlets that essentially control like 90% or I think it's like 95% of media and News Corp is one of those ones. So through like it essentially our video got shot through like news corps like tentacles so it got like really quickly within a week or two so yeah it spread to a whole bunch of international news sites like the australian uh there's an indian yeah um it was like international like they were playing it in like china and india and like all around the world like and it it it, it, like i could i could name drop all the media outlets it went through but i can't even really remember anymore (laughs) it happened so long ago but uh long story short in a couple of weeks ended up getting about uh, maybe even just a week. I think it was like two million views or something like that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, like with photography and videography, I think there's like there's people, uh, and I and I and I've seen this across like multiple spectrums of things where you see those people that they go and do something. They have like a little bit of talent. They have like potential. You know, you go and watch someone do it. You're like, oh, this person ha- knows how to frame a picture. They know how to like have an eye for something cool. You just have to teach them the technical details. I was, believe it or not, I was at that stage where I was like, okay, I, I have the potential to be good, but I, I was shooting on auto at the time. Like I was, <laughs> I was, I was a drone guy, not a camera guy. Right. Mm-hmm. I like to, to create like motion with and movement and photos with drones and mm-hmm. all that. I wasn't even really alive to the whole camera side of things. So right. like you don't need to be yeah. super like for yeah. crazy to kind of have that break. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so anyhow, uh, at the time, in my amateurness, I put this huge Smart Drones logo at the bottom right-hand nice. corner. Like, it was probably yeah. the largest... Like, I, wa- I watched the video back, and I <laughs> see this huge Smart Drones yeah. logo, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> was, it, was the Smart Drone logo on the video as yeah. it was going around? Yeah, yes. so... Wow. It, yeah, so... And they, as, didn't, they didn't want you to take it down, or, no, like, no, they are no. like... no. Yeah, which and is even, and me. And then even, <laughs> and they, and they even like linked off to us too. And I think we had we had the crappiest website up at the time too. Yeah, like a terrible. But you had website. so many good backlinks that it was. Yeah, like, well, that it, like our website was literally. I would say it was like a meme at that stage in the game. Like it was terrible. <laughs> like it was like it was like something we had an app like just a 
bad designer throw together just so we had some kind of web yeah. presence and we hadn't even gotten to the stage of putting a real one yeah. together. Um, and yeah, next thing you know, um, we get this phone call and it was like a, a like a voicemail and it was like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm like an assistant editor. Uh, I'm working on a feature film. I'm, and it, the, the call came in from like Montreal or something or mm-hmm. somewhere in Quebec. And he was like, I was hoping you guys could give me a call back. And we're just like, kind of like, what the hell? So, mm-hmm. uh, we call, we call back and we ring into the studio and we get like the receptionist and all that kind of threw us. We weren't really expecting it. And we're like, okay, this is legit. Um, so they patch us through and, uh, I forget the guy's name. His name was Pierce something. Um, yeah. But anyway, he was an assistant editor, and he wouldn't. They didn't tell us what it was at the time. They're just like, "Hey, so we're working on a feature film. We saw your guys's video, and like, uh, and we were just wowed by it. Like, um, the one thing I noticed about that video is it created an emotional impact in people. Right. I I haven't like it. It's nowhere near from like a cinematography side as good as the work that I come up with now. But I don't think I've ever created a video to this day that's created the same kind of emotional impact as mm. the video I made, even though I was like totally an amateur back then. Mm. Um, so that's what really captivated people. I I seem to notice. And uh, anyhow, I think that kind of happened to these guys, and they were like sharing it around to all their kind of colleagues while this video was getting pushed around viral and they were like saying oh yeah we want to go travel to alberta and go see the mountains and all that kind of stuff and um next thing you know uh he's like hey well there's one scene in there we're actually looking for like a mountain scene on a lake Mm -hmm. for um for a scene we're working on in the movie we're thinking about possibly licensing this footage from you guys and initially (laughs) we're thinking crap We've we've already oh, licensed this yeah, footage yeah, yeah. to Storyful. Right. So, so right. yeah. So how we kind of positioned ourselves was we were like, oh yeah, well you know we're we're really glad you like it and everything, but um, do you guys want us to maybe like give you a personal tour? Yeah, do you guys we get like the mountains aren't going anywhere. Like, what are the exact conditions you guys want? Yeah, we can. Get, nice. Yeah, we can. Why don't we get you guys exactly what, what you're, you're looking, looking for? for. Yeah, yeah. So this guy kind of like chatted us up and like one of the he like asked have you guys signed with any other studios and stuff yet and like stuff like that and we're just we're like, like oh. i hadn't even thought about that yeah no, <laughs> like, we don't know what we're doing yeah we don't know what we're doing we don't know what we're doing we just we just made a drone video for fun and um so i guess i don't know if there's any message there just go out and do stuff you enjoy mm-hmm. and um from there yeah he uh, pretty much how he kind of left things with, he's like, well, I don't actually have the authority to make any decisions here. I'm going to pitch us up the chain of command and stuff like that. And, um, uh, we'll see what we come back with. I really don't want to get your guys' hopes up or anything. Like often these things can fall apart mm-hmm. at the last second and all mm-hmm. that. And this is a crazy industry and all that. And we kind of left ourselves like in a position where we were like, all right, well, I'm not going to get too hung up on anything. Cause I, I'm, I'm not expecting anything to happen if anything happens it happens that's great but at the end of the day um i'm just gonna continue on doing mm-hmm. my thing so about three days later we had a call beverly hills we're like what's going on here so uh we answer this call and um there's this guy on the phone and he went by the name of john dykstra and he has two and and like thank god i didn't know this at the time of the call because i was like, totally chill on the call because i had no idea who yeah. the heck this guy was yeah. i did kind of get shooken up a little bit when he told me what project we were working on but i didn't know who this guy was until uh-huh. i googled him after and uh so he has two academy award 
uh, like Oscars, I guess, for one for his work on Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I was gonna say I've heard of him before. <laughs> wow! Yeah, Not so because of Star Wars. It's because wow. of Star Wars. He invented like a camera that was used to film a lot of the yeah. spaceship scenes and stuff called the Dijkstraflex, and it was essentially a small scale like drone almost because you know how they did everything in like models, yeah. right? It was actually like a small scale way to like move a camera around like robotically inside these models. For miniatures and stuff like that. Yeah, so cool. now I almost wonder what his allure with us was. Right. Because it never made sense to me. Like, why us? Why us? And right. it was the fact that like maybe the drone to him was kind of like uh, similar to what his kind of creation on Star Wars was. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, back to the call and he was saying, hey, um, and, and mind you, I should add to this. Uh, after all this happened, we were we went and rented out like a blacked out Yukon, and we were just like on the way back to the mountains. We're like, holy, holy crap, that happened the first time. We got to go right back, right? Yeah. So we were just like thinking, all right, let's go film more footage there and see what happens. Like we had all this from our first going there. What's gonna happen if we go back again? Right. Uh, so we're already kind of on the way back, and this is when we actually get this call. Literally, as we're like driving southbound on Highway Two, I think we're like going through Red Deer at the time, and. Uh, he revealed to us that, yeah, the movie was X-Men Apocalypse and all that. He talked about the scene in the movie they were trying to film. He talked about, like, like it was a lot of, like, pretty privileged information. I mean, they never really made a sign at NDA. Like, they're telling us, like, like key plot things about how this is a pivotal moment in the movie where they were, like, going to reveal Alka- the Alkali Lake facility and stuff like that. Really? Yeah, and, um... <laughs> Like no NDA, it was it was yeah. this this was like um this yeah. was just a weird thing that happened. And it's not uh, like we were gonna go out and talk to anybody because we got this lucky break. The last thing we wanted to do was ruin it. But it was yeah. just kind of odd that we had nothing legally binding to shut us up. Yeah, yeah. especially on like a Marvel like kind yeah. of movie. Well, I think there's so Sony Pictures is what was they were. I don't know. Twentieth Century Fox. Twentieth Century Fox. Yeah, yeah, it is Fox, but like yeah, but like still with like the the licensing and like all the secrecy behind any of those kinds of movies it's just yeah. like don't say anything like yeah no yeah. not at all I and mean, you know what i think so it was was i think what kind of happened with us is we kind of skirted through some weird angle where we came into this from a totally like unusual unweird thing where john just kind of hopped in and started doing his thing and he's so senior and veteran that no one's gonna tell him no and it was kind of done all outside the eye of mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. and uh, so long story short um, he's, we, we were driving back into the mountains and we just started like filming all these different various locations. We, our, our whole objective turned into just scouting. So we were scouting mm-hmm. like spots in Kananaskis, places in BC, stuff like that. And we eventually, uh, found a location where they're like, yeah, this works. This is perfect. And it was, uh, Kinney Lake. Um, it's just like, uh, on like, uh, it's a pretty popular hiking trail actually. And it's, um, near uh it's just like under mount robson just alongside mount robson and it's like about um i think it's like a seven kilometer hike up to the lake where we would take off and Mm. all that um so yeah what ended up happening was we got them to like agree to like the location and all that and uh i just got like a group of my friends most of them were like rugby players and by this point we had snow on the ground because that was one of the things they wanted was they wanted like snowy conditions with an open water lake with a relatively clear sky, but some clouds around the mountains. So we were trying to get some pretty exact conditions. Like it's annoyingly specific. Yeah. For, like Alberta mountains where there's that window between like everything freezing and there being like snow with the liquid. We're, we're, we're yeah, well we aware. Like, we had like it's a like, four day window yeah, to get like, the shot we needed pretty much. So every, so through we, the first time we hiked in, I think was at the end of October in 2015. 
And pretty much through October, November, like every few days or every weekend, we were just going there, going there, and like filming as much stuff as we would could. And then we would do like these live video review sessions with John where he would like ask us to do things and all that. And it would be like the weirdest calls ever because you're just so intimidated, right? Like you're working with this guy and I've never done anything before. And you're just, you're just like kind of like pinching yeah. yourself, like what yeah. the heck's going on and all yeah. that. And then, um, like, we'd be on these calls, and uh, we'd just hear him talking, and then when we'd say bye, we'd hear, like, 20 people, bye, guys, like, in the background. <laughs> oh, <wow>. like, <laughs> really? So you were obviously conferencing with, like, a whole team over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the whole VFX department, or, or a whole bunch of people from within it, at so, least. So were you live transmitting to them so they could see what you were doing, or were you shooting and then having to send them yeah. to review, and then you'd go back? So, so how we would do it is we would um, we would hike into the location. It, it would take us pretty much a whole day to get in and out and film everything. Yeah. We'd come back, and we were staying in Valemont, right? And the yeah. people in Valemont were so confused with this because it's such a small town, and we, right. were, there's li- we were off-season, so we were, the, at times, the only people person in the hotel and we were just rolling around <laughs> yeah. with like tons of gear and like a, in a vehicle Black and stuff and people would and well at first no one really said anything but after a couple of weeks the locals would be so uh they, they all noticed us and mm-hmm. noted us and like so what are you guys doing and we're like oh we're we're we're, uh, we're working on a film project like we didn't want to say too much yeah. right and eventually word did get out that we were working on a movie and stuff and we could tell the locals would like kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> try and figure it out yeah, yeah. And, and but we didn't want to be to because just the whole nature of what was going on we didn't want to wreck it mm-hmm. oh, um, for sure. yeah so long story short after we like hiked in and all that how we would actually come back we'd upload the footage to um uh, some software called CineSync. it's a software by a company called Cospective, and it's just like a live video review software so like I could upload the footage to this software and then I send you a link and then we're all watching the same footage oh, and right. we can pause, pause it, it and draw time. on it and make notes right. oh, and cool. that kind of What's stuff. What's it called? Uh, it's called CineSync. The, we actually work a lot with that, that company. Uh, um, Cospective. Cospective. Yeah. But they, they have another software that we use a little bit more often called Frankie and it's essentially just like a... Like it's a more sport. simplified, streamlined version of CineSync. Yeah, just more simplistic and all mm-hmm. that. And it's really good for working with... Um, like just any kind of clients, just on any, any kind of video production, mm-hmm. just so that you guys can, um, one, it allows everyone to be kind of on the same page of what you're doing, what changes are being made, but it also um, kind of helps you control your clients in the revision process. I'm mm-hmm. sure as anyone doing video production has seen, you've got to make sure you keep that leash under control. Otherwise you will be making revisions for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's a way more proactive way to, to figure things out yeah so that's kind of uh how we actually got introduced to that software um and then um from there what ended up happening we we kept going in and we just filmed it over and over again i think on the seventh go in there um it might even been more it might have been like the eighth i can't remember it was was a lot of hiking back and forth yeah uh, the the thing about the trail is that it was no vehicle access either so So, how we actually transported all of our gear back and forth yeah, it was with our friends. We we, we literally had a big black toboggan. We loaded, uh, what would you say? It was like 80 pounds worth of drone gear? No, definitely more. I don't know. It's, it, 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 was, was it, was enough, it was enough gear with the weight of that and toboggan, like going on an uphill hike. It's, and you no. said it was a seven kilometer hike in? Yeah. Yeah, so we were like pretty, a human uh, up dog elevation, team pretty, pretty sure. much. Yeah. Crazy. So, wow. So did you guys, like, were you, did you, at that point, were you guys like, I mean, 
Did you guys get paid for the whole? No, no, no. no. So oh, we, really? we had no idea what we were going to be getting. So you were paid. just like we, taking advantage of the opportunity. All yeah, we right. knew is that this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, so you're like and whatever we gonna, you got to do. And we were and, right. and we were going to do whatever it takes incurred any cost it had to do to do it to the best of our ability at that time. Hmm. Yeah, and that was the mindset we kind of mm-hmm. had going into and it. And then and then when it came to payment, we'll get there when it's time for negotiations. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What drum are you guys rocking? <laughs> Not the one we should have been using at the time. We were using we were using an inspired. Well, when we we actually we uh, we were like upgrading our gear like as we were working on this project. So when we. The, the, the video that went viral was filmed on a Fan 3 Pro. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first kind of DJI drone mm-hmm. that could shoot like 4K, which was like mm-hmm. huge at the time and all that. Obviously, you're still dealing in like a compression codec and all that. But, um, and at the time, I had no idea about any of that kind of stuff. I'm just like, oh, it shoots 4K. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> People still use the 3 Pro too. Yeah, no, it's it's a good, it, you can, you could use it yeah. for on a project if you, you know, especially if the lighting conditions and stuff are right. And yeah. You have your like camera not- set. Like, D- DJI doesn't, like, produce it or, like, make it anymore, manufacture no, it no. anymore, but, like, you find it on Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, or oh, yeah, like, yeah. lots of people are selling them, and, like, you see them on festivals, you see them everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they're cheap, they're they're good units, for sure, and that was, that was the drone that revolutionized the drone industry, in my opinion, was the mm-hmm. Phantom 3, and the reason for that was because... Before on the Phantom 2, you had like a fisheye lens and you were mm. limited to like a few hundred yeah. feet. Or maybe yeah, you didn't have the light bridge. You didn't have the light bridge. It was actually the transmission system and the camera uh, combination right. is what led to the whole. So it was more, it was, yeah, I, I assume the Phantom, like I'm not, I'm not really up with it in terms yeah. of drones, but I would, I, at least with photography I can get it. And I would feel like Phantom 3 is probably good because. You get a more cinematic experience in a the lens that you're being able to use, and probably like the dynamic range is probably not too bad. In yeah. the sense that if you have the right lighting, probably provides a good picture. But how yeah. you probably can't edit the footage as much. It's well, not it, as it, it'll still shoot like uh, for stills. It'll still shoot like DNGs and all that. Okay. So you still got that kind of flexibility on the photography side of things. But right. no, in video, you're, video, you're right. Like I think that you could shoot in log, I suppose, and all that. But right. you're still stuck in that yeah. compression codec where yeah. you can't really pull your dynamic range right. anywhere outside of what you shot yeah so um that was what we filmed the viral video on and we and then um as soon as we kind of had the call from x and we actually made like a crazy quick pickup of an inspire one at the time and our first few shots were actually filmed on an x3 so that's essentially the same camera on a Phantom Three mm. put on an Inspire. Yeah, the little egg. Yeah, it's, it's like right. just like a, it's like a circle. It's just like a circle. It's it's like it's garbage compared to what we use now. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. it's you know you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I still didn't know what I was doing at the time. You know, like I I was I was shooting everything on auto. Even that. The... I, I I didn't like I didn't know what I was doing. I like I was Holy. filming. <laughs> so, wow. I, so if you want to shoot a feature film, shoot on auto. <laughs> yeah. I like like I did not know what I was doing at that time. It was purely me doing something for fun and then this doorway opening for me and me just running as aggressively yeah. as I could with the knowledge I had at the time. Yeah. Um where I figured out I didn't know what I was doing was one of the things we did was we bought an X5. Uh so that was it was an X5S? No, 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 no. So that's that. You're that you're thinking of like a Inspire oh, Two cameras. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is the X5. So this was the like, this was a big deal when this got released in the drone world because now you had like a micro four thirds lens with mm-hmm. detachable lenses oh, okay. and all that. Yeah. Kind of right. 
interesting side note. That was a weird year for us. Uh, when we were going back into the mountains on the second trip uh, to do the location scouting, we actually ran into uh, a DJI Alpha tester with an X5. And I was like, what the hell is this thing? I've never seen it before. I haven't, you know what I mean? And I was like asking the guy and the guy <laughs> was kind of not really giving me answers and all that. And I think he kind of mistook us for like, a like really amateur guys that just had a drone. And then we pulled out our Inspire and then he kind of realized like, oh crap. And yeah. I was like posting about it on forums and stuff like that. Like trying to ask people and people were calling me crazy and telling me like accusing me of like making things up and stuff like that. And then, um... Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty random. Making things up about like seeing about this camera. Seeing the camera. I, I oh. essentially I leaked the X five. I was and I got a I got oh, a call. I got a call. And I got a phone call. <laughs> I got a phone call because I I exchanged wow. business cards with the guy right. Yeah. And a few days later, I posted on the forum. I get a phone call from this guy, and he like asks me to like delete my post and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have said anything. Like dude, like dude, Man. like all the DJI mods are like, right. holy crap, this guy spotted our X5 in the wild. And it was like totally under wraps. And I had all sorts of people like messaging me, like asking me like what I saw and all that. And I barely looked at the thing. And I'm just like, well, looks like it's a micro four thirds lens. Looks like you can swap lenses on it and stuff like that. Right. And even then people were like losing their mind. So I knew this was coming down the pipe and this just happened to get released while we were filming X-Men. So I picked this thing up and all that and we were and we were running into issues like focusing it and stuff yeah. like that. So we actually just went back to using the X3 because I, I couldn't. Mm. Part of the, the problem we ran into when we were filming uh, X-Men, uh, we were just like literally standing there on the bed of the shore filming this thing, just getting these kind of swooping drone shots over the lake because... The scene that they were trying to create was a scene of like a helicopter flying across a lake down a dam and then into like an intake valve on the dam that was actually wow. the entrance to like a secret base and they were using our drone footage to yep. create the scene. And they were going to CGI the helicopter. Yeah, and, and the dam and, and, and everything. Yep. Unbelievable. We actually talked about just, uh, yeah, how impressive that 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 stuff is just yeah we were we were debating Mar whether we like marvel movies or not and i think you know anyway we won't get into that but mm -hmm. it's on a previous episode but it is amazing what they can do oh yeah well and that's where almost all the budgets allocated if you look at right. budget allocation for these movies that cost like hundreds of millions of dollars to make but yeah. turn turn hundreds of millions of dollars in profit a large most of the money is spent on the VFX work because it's just mm. is so labor intensive to create these environments right. and all that. I was watching a thing on Game of Thrones and there was like one scene where it was like on mountains and stuff. Yeah. And it's like a farmer's field with sheep. Mm -hmm. And I guess when they went and they scouted it, they just looked and they were like, I wonder if it's cheaper to just <laughs> move the fence physically. Or if we just move it and post, move it and post, and get the VFX guys to just edit it out. And I guess at the time they were like, "No, it's like cheaper for us to actually manually like rip this fence out and then put the fence back." We, we run into that every now and like, then. Holy. Every now and then mm -hmm. when we're filming, uh, like even just in the Alberta film industry, because one thing that has happened though, it has gotten a lot cheaper over the past few years. So you're seeing more and more VFX on like Canadian movies and stuff, and like more professional looking mm -hmm. like effects that previously been re re like reserved for 
the really high budget stuff and that's off that we have similar discussions actually when we're filming drone shots at times like mm -hmm. oh should we wait to change this or like get this out or wait for the conditions to be right and or fix it in post and, yeah. mm -hmm. and well, even like after effects now you can remove things with the touch of a button oh yeah it's super easy where before you would have to go in mask clone and do that like frame by frame almost and track it all back yeah well there's some really i can't remember if it was in premiere or after effects but they're now starting to have like ai um, not noise reduction, but uh, slow mo, where they can like do they can create frames that don't exist based off of like creating an AI image of what mm. makes sense between frames. Mm -hmm. There was stuff a, like that. Yeah, there was a program when I first started doing all this called Twixter. Okay. And they did the same thing where and like you could tell when it was like Twixter done because like you would have this image and be like, oh, I'm gonna slow it down and it'd be like 24 frames. Whatever. Yeah, you could. And then you can kind of see that it's like kind of like blurred. Awkwardly yeah. throughout it, yeah, and it's like, oh, they're like making up frames of like yeah. someone's hand doing this, and you can kind of see like this like bubble around it. Oh yeah, but now it's like you can hardly even. Yeah, know. And, and it's crazy too that it's coming off in like you know, like software like Premiere and After Effects. It's like like yeah. you know common tools in the trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to that whole thing with uh, filming for X Men. So we're actually filming those shots. Um, it was getting so cold. And one of the things is like a drone pilot, you do not want to let your hands get cold. I don't know if you've ever tried to like send a text when your hands are cold and you're like your thumbs literally don't work. Like you don't have that mind mm -hmm. muscle connection anymore when you're trying to do like very precise movements on the mm -hmm. sticks and your hands start freezing. It's really hard to kind of do what you need to do. So what we actually had is I had friends that were just holding a propane heater under my hands as yeah, I was wow. like just doing anything to keep my yeah. hands warm. Cause and, then, and then every now and then he would just hand me the controller to land the drone so he could just warm my, like, my hands up heater, to get yeah. ready for the next go and all yeah. that. And yeah, I got some pretty cold hands in it all. Um, and yeah, so we ended up getting the shot that they signed off on and but at this point, there was no, like, any agreement or anything as mm -hmm. to what we were going to get paid and all that. Mm -hmm. um, the only... Because we did bring it... We did raise it with John on a call. Like, hey, John, like, we, we've been doing all this stuff. We, 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 you know, we fully trust you guys. And we're not saying we're not down to keep working. But we just understand how we're going to work this out. And he just like, oh, don't worry. We'll make sure you get taken care of. Like, <laughs> so, okay, sounds great. John <laughs> yeah. said so. We're good. We're yeah. good. Yeah. And the funny thing was is he had actually, like, no authority to make sure that we did. So <laughs> once this all came about... um, um or um once this all kind of wrapped up and you know what towards the end i wasn't shooting on auto i was shooting at like a fixed iso and aperture and all that i'd kind of begin to figure that out but like i was in no way following like rules like setting your shutter speed to double that of your like, frames per rule. second yeah and stuff like that um like i just like uh and when we handed all over the footage to them we were filming on a dji x3 so everything was shot in like H.264. So yeah, they were, so then they come, then they came to us like, hey, do you guys have this in any other codecs? And I'm oh, just like, no. what's a codec? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all that. And they, but it was really <laughs> funny because they were all cool about it. They, they kind of seemed to understand that the situation we were put in and that John just kind of like, oh, cool, I got some drone guys to be filming yeah. me some stuff. All right. Found some guys on the internet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tossed us right. It's in not the like, end. it's not like we ever came to them and like pitched ourselves no. as these professionals that knew what yeah. we were doing. They came to us. Right? Well, you, you were probably putting john's hand and john's like okay these are the guys we're working with they're, yeah. they're obviously good and yeah and he and what it was was i think uh like i still had that talent on the sticks at the time even though i didn't know how to properly like you mm -hmm. know use my camera 
Um, and I do now. I've gone, I've gone, you know, I've done formal training and all that, and I've, uh, you know, it's been years, so I've learned a lot. Um, but yeah, he, uh, what I think what kind of sold him on it was the ability to create movement and right. yeah. uh, not just like movement, but like induce emotions through movement. Yeah. Like that's kind of where okay. in the kind of the umbrella of everything where I kind of felt like where my strong suit has always been with the drone is the ability mm-hmm. to use motion to tell a story when otherwise you'd be confined to just like what you can show from a standing point and like Mm -hmm. kind of having that flow where you see things in its frame well and it moves into the next thing and the next thing makes sense and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and that was what i think kind of attracted them to us um but anyhow you know we sent the footage off to them and uh then we got to deal with the the business side of it and that's where things got interesting um at this time in our business uh uh, we were targeting a number of different industries, one of them being like the legal industry and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And we do, and, and it's like smart drones and we have a parent company as well. We work in a series of mm-hmm. different industries. Um, but, uh, fortunately, uh, as soon as we entered into the negotiation phase, my father, who was a lawyer, was able to kind of help us out a little yeah. bit. Otherwise, cause I would have been, I think I was 21 when this all happened. Like I was really young. Right. And uh, he hopped in for the negotiation, and we got into this intense negotiation with their uh, their lawyer down from the U.S. He was just a hardball, like, Hollywood negotiator. Like, to give you an idea, uh, I think we, like, um, I, I won't say like, the, the value we ended up getting paid, but when we started negotiations, we, like, threw 50000 at them, and they came back with 2000 So wow. that was, like, just so you understood the, yeah, the, the yeah. kind of aggressive negotiation. Like, we yeah. ended up getting... We did end up getting like a really good deal at the end. Yeah. They were just like having like a really aggressive standpoint. Yeah. And I also don't think this guy, when he did give that proposition, understood what all we did. Right. We did make that more clear and we did end up getting right. like paid really well, especially at that right. time in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then, um, you know, we sent the footage over despite it being compressed, despite <laughs> me not knowing how to shoot on mm-hmm. anything. And we never even knew it was gonna if they were gonna use it. You know what I mean? So right. for months we were just kind of sitting in limbo. Yeah. Well, then the um, the trailer got released for X Men Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and there was a two seconds in the trailer where I'm like, I know I remember that scenery. And what they did is they actually chopped it up quite a bit. Like they just took like lots of different bits from our the footage that we sent them, and they used it to essentially create something that was like totally, totally different. Oh, totally wow. different. So they they totally just morph like terraform this environment and just took the rocks from here and moved them over there and the trees oh yeah so they they totally like mixed everything right up to create this scene it was really cool to see them do that to have it the way that they wanted it yeah like like, we have to make this place that doesn't actually exist yeah so let's just make yeah they don't they don't want everyone who goes world yeah yeah, and and, and looking back on all of this, like, because we, we still look back at that and we're like, how did we end up getting so far with knowing so little? And uh, I'm, what I'm thinking that John was really looking for from us was just the movement alone. They're, they're kind of of the mindset that even if the camera shots aren't great and it was shot on auto, they can fix it in post, right? Right. Well, and, so, and then also, too, like, we weren't just filming these drone shots. They actually had us filming these um, towards the end of the shoot, and they had us filming these things they called static tiles so it's where mm-hmm. you would um and i've actually I've, i have shot them before well on set when they when i've um sometimes when we're on set just in calgary uh we'll be uh sometimes we're with the main unit so that's where you know all the actors are all the mm-hmm. you know the cameras action mm-hmm. and stuff and 
Uh, that's usually like kind of the hurry up and wait game. They're they're gonna be you know their priorities getting their shots, but mm-hmm. once they're ready, they'll move to the drone, and then you gotta yeah. be ready, and you you don't have a lot of opportunities. They'll give you a couple takes, and if you're not getting what they like, they'll quickly move on. So. Wow. A lot of pressure working with the main unit, but sometimes we'll work uh, quite often. They'll they'll bring us on uh, as like a second like unit, or and then we're more kind of, flexibility. Yeah, and we're we're usually not with the main unit, and we right. go around kind of doing our own things. Yeah. And we'll take a couple picture cars with them and stuff. And yeah. usually we have like an AD and a producer with us and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, there's times they've hired us to do that where we film these static tiles, where you're essentially just filming something for like three seconds and then you move the camera you know three quarters to the right and film right. that for three seconds right. it's the same way you like you know bracket panorama photos yeah. and photography yeah kind of like getting a clean plate yeah exactly and it's for like vfx work yeah that um, makes sense so they had us doing that kind of stuff towards the end and uh from there um yeah we ended the negotiation and then they we saw our footage in the trailer so we were obviously really stoked about that so it's like wow like we did it our stuff's in the movie and all that mm-hmm. and uh from there what we ended up doing to kind of bridge into the alberta film industry mm-hmm. was we're like okay how do we ride this wave so we did a press release mm-hmm. and just sent it to all the different media stories because it, it's a juicy story mm-hmm. and they every mm-hmm. single person we sent a press release to bid on it and we and i was like doing tv interviews like live tv I was doing radio interviews. I was like, I was on like the morning show with like Mark Connolly a couple mm-hmm. times and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we had a ton of just local Edmonton news expo- uh, exposure, even some in Calgary as well. And uh, there was some people in the Alberta film industry that were just kind of like, what the heck's going on with these guys? You know, mm-hmm. they're just um, mm-hmm. um, like, obviously came like, out of nowhere like, came out of nowhere they're like well x-men's not filming here what's going on you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. but we were doing all this kind of work on the back side of it for the vfx department and um so they probably wanted a bit of a piece of the pie figure out how well, well it wasn't even I that they were just probably just confused more than anything yeah they were just more confused than <laughs> yeah. anything so there was at the time this was the summer this was now the summer of 2016 so a year had gone by we filmed like x-men I filmed the viral video in August 2015. We filmed, we got contacted by 20th Century Fox towards the end of August. And then September was us kind of waiting for the conditions to get right and scouting locations. October, November, we were filming for them. And then we were quiet for like three or four months, just kind of waiting to see what was going to come of it all. And then I think in March of 2016 was when the trailer got released. And I can't remember exactly when the movie came out. I believe it was like April or May. Yeah, yeah, and um, so then we, uh, you obviously went to the movie, Mm -hmm. saw our footage in it, which was pretty cool, and um, I actually didn't end up seeing the movie. I don't know if that makes me cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Still haven't seen. You still haven't watched? No, I still haven't watched X Men Apocalypse. Oh, you're one of those guys. You can't, you can't look, you can't watch your own work. It's it's not even like that. I just haven't gotten around to it. I don't know. Like I heard, I heard the yeah, I heard exactly. That's what I heard. Is I heard the reviews. It was like it's a mediocre movie. I'm like, okay, well. I don't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> For what it was in like That's the X Men franchise, it was fine. Okay. X Men should have like it was fine. Went to bed like on the third. Yeah, S three. Like yeah. S three last stand or whatever it was. Like That's what they should have stopped. But then everyone came back alive, and then they died again. And they came back alive, and it's just like hey, they'll, they, what's when you, happening? When you own the rights to that kind of stuff, though, like mm-hmm. their motivation uh, loses. Mm-hmm. It loses yeah. the whole 
oh, well, it makes sense from a plot point. Yeah. It's like, how can we continue to make money? Yeah. It's a business. Like, oh, yeah. Marvel movies are getting even more popular. Let's release another X-Men yeah. movie. Like, let's yeah. do this kind of thing. It's like, ah. That, actually, on our other last podcast, or on our podcast episode, we talked about this. We literally talked about, yeah, the motivation behind these movies. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and just, and that's sort of, anyway, I won't, I won't get into it. Listen to the other episode. You guys will probably enjoy it. Okay. Um, anyway. The ones with me in. <laughs> yeah, but no, we had the same discussion, so it's cool. It's interesting to hear your guys' perspective on that, too, and just having sort of worked in that industry and with those particular movie producers yeah. and stuff and kind of get a bit of an insider's perspective from it, too. Well, it was, at the end of the day, what it was, it was, it was a really good learning experience. For that, what X-Men was, not only did it kind of launch smart drones into like kind of the film and media and all that but it that was what kind of put me down my path of learning was what it was was like yeah i could control a drone i could fly a drone in and around trees if need be and all that kind of stuff um but that's where i kind of got forced into learning how to actually be competent on a camera and Mm -hmm. you know use that that whole side of things and understand Mm -hmm. you know bit rate and dynamic range and like all the kind of stuff that as you, you know, you get higher up in this kind of field, you need to have an understanding of. And, um, yeah, where we ended up going from there was at the time, this was in summer of 2016, there was this, uh, feature film filming here in Edmonton, uh, which is rare. Not a lot of feature films film here, especially ones with like, uh, budget. Like this one, I believe had like a million dollar budget, which for Edmonton is a, that's a, that's a, that's a decent budget Mm -hmm. here. And, um, the name of the movie was hashtag Roxy. I can't, uh, I, I don't have much to say about the actual quality of the movie. I'm sure you guys could give it a pretty good review. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like, from my from my read on it, it was like one of those movies that like, the just the plot and the dynamic, it was like aimed towards like a teenage audience, mm-hmm. but with like R-rated humor. So like it's, mm-hmm. it misses both marks. Like, right. The kind of like, like vulgarness of the jokes would hit home at like a, maybe like a, 15 up audience yeah, yeah 16 up audience like, right. yeah. but the, but then at the other hand too the way the whole movie was kind of yeah. geared towards it was like towards like a younger yeah, audience queen, so like it, the, it's kind of like demo yeah. yeah and i just googled it it looks like it yeah, yeah and um the funny thing was was uh uh the, this so this is a weird come full circle thing uh the school that they were filming this movie at was actually my high school in saint albert that I oh, went really? to. Was it Paul Kane? No, it was uh, Bell Rose. Bell Rose. Bell Rose. Okay. Yeah. And um, then they also, they had one A-list actor. They had Danny Trejo in the movie. And so, and he was in my old high school in St. Albert, Alberta. It just makes no sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was seeing Danny Trejo, like, in <laughs> yeah. the seat. Like, I've been to the principal's office a couple times, like, seeing Danny Trejo, like, behind the principal's <laughs> desk in my high school. It was kind of... Yeah. It's kind of interesting, but working on that show, I met the, I made a pretty good relationship with the DOP on that, and he, uh, he's a guy by the name of John Spooner, who's great done, guy, great guy, done tons of work in the, like, the Alberta film industry and stuff as, like, a camera op and DOP and all that, and he, and he just showed me, like, on the fly a lot of the stuff I needed to be knowing, because he, he, he seemed to kind of pick up that, you know, I, I knew how to fly the drone, I knew how to, like, be precise with my movements and film cinematic shots and all that but i needed to kind of learn how to like you know operate a camera operate a camera and yeah. quickly he kind of ran me through that and uh showed it to me on the fly 
And from there, um, I went down to L.A. and did a bunch of camera training and stuff. And I did just some general camera training as well as some specifically camera training on red cameras. Because at, that, deci- at that point, we kind of made the decision we kind of needed to go big or go home. Um, especially with the fact that we had kind of like X-Men under our belts. We had to kind of position ourselves in a way where we could deliver to that standard, mm-hmm. right? Because we already have that credit. Mm-hmm. And like yeah we made money off it and that's all that we had to kind of think more long term how we could continue to get kind of that caliber of work um so that was when we made the decision to you know buy a red camera and all that so you know i was i was just like kind of in a hardcore self-education mode just watching tons and tons and tons of like content online just like just immersing myself in it for uh probably just like three or four months just like going hard learning everything i could and then I remember uh, we actually met up with John for lunch like a few uh, mm. like months later and then just kind of debriefed with everything we've kind of learned and all that. And then our mm. conversation was purely like, hey, how do we kind of make our way into the Alberta film industry? And he kind of let, laid a path forward for us and uh, we did everything we needed to do. We just yeah. marketed ourselves yeah, aggressively. Right around that time, uh, Eric and I designed a brochure. Yeah, uh, he right. did. He did all the graphic design and I wrote it up and then uh, we mailed it to a whole bunch of different production companies. So, so John Spooner or John Spooner? No, Spooner. There's okay. two Johns. Yeah, yeah two so, Johns. Okay. So, yeah, two Johns. Yeah, we didn't have John here I, for lunch. John okay. Okay. Well, well, I thought maybe you said you got down to LA no, and no. maybe met with him. Okay. No, that would have been But John cool, Spooner but... laid it out for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, so we, we, had, we had two Johns that were kind of the Obi-Wans of our story. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So he, um, so sorry, he laid out, uh, you yeah. did a brochure and yeah, we, I'm curious about the marketing aspect of what you Yeah, well, well, how we, and like, honestly, it was, for us, it was just like, it was a combination of just lightning striking at the right place right. at the right time. Uh, like, obviously, X-Men was that kind of first lightning strike. The second one was... Uh, the media push that mm-hmm. we did that caused us to get all that exposure and then that initial introduction into kind of mm-hmm. the different players in the Alberta film industry. Mm-hmm. The third way, and this was kind of the nail in the coffin that got us in, was um, we handed out tons of brochures and all that. We actually had uh, an existing relationship with uh, a woman who runs a by the name of Teresa Copperthorne, and she runs uh, a ranch down in southern Alberta at about, um, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes west of Calgary, and this is called CL Ranch, and it's just... CL Western Town. Yeah, CL Western Town, CL Ranches, and it's really good. It's a very, very popular... Uh, it's essentially a mock movie, like, western set in, like, kind of nestled in the foothills, right, as you're starting to... you got, like, mountain views and all that. Mm-hmm. Tons of productions filmed there and all that. So... CL Western This town. isn't the place... I'm thinking of the place beside Callaway Park. Oh, um, it, uh, what's it's, it called? It, it, I don't think it's, it's the same place. But yeah, you have to like kind of you have to like go. You're going oh, like okay. off through private okay. land and stuff to get cool, there. Like it's nestled right yeah. away. It's in that direction though. It's near yeah. there. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, so we, we we left a bunch of brochures with her, right? And mm. and so you had like the different locations, scouts coming in to like mm. do you know locations where right. movies coming in. While they're out, she's, she's like handing out brochures to them and all that. Yeah. And um, one of these brochures ended up with like a guy who was like a locations manager on Damnation, who was which was uh, the Netflix show that we did, which was kind of our bigger break into the Alberta film industry. And uh, he just brought this back to their production office, and uh, 
Is it like I, I we should have brought one, but we haven't used them in a while. They're a little dated, but yeah. it was a really nice brochure. Like I spent like a week designing this thing, just like grinding out. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm terrible when it comes to like having to make any kind of material because I'm a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll sometimes like when I do a new showreel, sometimes it takes me weeks to put mm-hmm. everything together. And I'm just and I can't be switching back and forth between mm-hmm. other tasks. I need to be able to just kind of like lock mm-hmm. into like some creative like hermitism almost and just. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, be locked in and totally focused on that. And uh, yeah, so the the producer that was working on this, or not the producer, production manager, um, that was working on this damnation show was the same production manager that uh, the previous year was working on this show in Edmonton that we were on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he might have been a producer on the show in Edmonton, oh, okay. but he was a production right. manager on this one. So now he gets this brochure... And last time we were there, we had just, like, an Inspire one, um, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. We're still relatively green. Yeah, so. we, we, we did know how to set our camera now uh, after on our first time on set. We learned that. And um, and then you know, from this point, we reached, like, we whole new level. Like, we were shooting right. raw, had a full understanding of, like, Codex and all that, and had, like, really developed into kind of, like, you know, legit production company. We acquired a red camera. Acquired a red sense. camera and, you know, knew how to use it. And, uh, and, and, we, and, we, and we did get a lot of use out of it, for sure, prior to then. Like, I, I made tons of, like, content that went online that actually led to us getting lots of uh, clients and connections just by, like, posting the mm-hmm. stuff we would shoot on this red mm-hmm. camera into different, like, just even... But the Edmonton Film Group, despite it, you know, being like mostly indie stuff. Yeah, right. I believe that's what connected us with Sticks and Stones. They saw yep. your red footage of the baseball diamond in St. Albert. Yeah, so that's far. right. And uh, yeah, had and we had like a good showreel together and all that. So when the time came to it, and they were like in the need of some drone shots, they decided to hire us. And the in the past, usually, what they would do for these higher end productions is they'd bring in drone guys from Vancouver, right? And they're pretty pricey. I'm sure. I don't know what their rates are, but. You know, they're running rad cameras on, like, Alta 8s and stuff like that. And even, like, custom heavy lift drones with, mm-hmm. you know, whole... Like, they, they run incredible gear. And, and they, like, bring them here. Yeah, so you... Pay for their hotel and stuff like that. Yeah, yep. their whole travel expenses. And we just kind of gave them, like, a lost leader rate just so we could kind of get our foot in the door. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, we'll, we'll cut you guys a deal. And the fact that we had the rad and everything, that kind of landed us on. And the first day we had on set went really good we nailed all the drone shots we had a few adventures here and there mm-hmm. um uh, on the the red how it was configured initially on our drone you there was no way to like remotely control the shutter like you couldn't start or stop record remotely oh, you had to like so you had to um you'd have to go to the drone on the ground and actually hit record on the red, right? So you had these huge video files. You had these yes. huge video yeah. files and all that. Um, and, of course, we're filming, like, 8K red code. And, like, Jeez. yeah, red code raw, 8K in a decent compression ratio. Um, so we were, we were making some big files. And I'll never forget uh, the first so the first shot we filmed on this damnation show was this scene uh, there was probably like 20 people involved with it. It was a pretty big scene. It was, um, it was inside of Calgary and they were using it to simulate, um, an automotive factory. Yeah. Strike. An automotive factory strike at like the Detroit automotive factory. Mm-hmm. And they had like 20 like actors all in like 
because the show was based in the 1930s, so they had all these old cars and stuff that people on beds holding up signs and stuff, and I just kind of... Barrel fires, they yeah, had people we, with guard dogs yeah, barking, so, we so there's animal trainers, <laughs> pyrotechnics, wow. like, a whole lot going on at once mm-hmm. for a single shot. And we, and, and yeah, so, because they had, like, all the, the people in uniform as police, too, like, containing it, they had animal handlers, and they, like, set off, like, barrel fires, like yeah. he was saying, so they're pretty big production, so... I get up in the air, we're about to, they boom, they turn the pyrotechnics <laughs> on, the animals start barking, the people are yelling, and um, at the time, uh, I actually brought up a, uh, a good friend of mine, he actually works at Snapchat now, but at the time, he uh, worked for this company called Drone Dudes, they're, uh, they essentially do what we do, but down in LA, so bigger and badder, <laughs> and um, you know, more budget, more drone and all that. Um, and I brought him up as a camera op just cause like I hadn't had a ton of experience on set. I'd been on a few times, but I wanted to have someone there with me who, uh, been on like dozens, if not hundreds of sets his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so shout out to Byron. Beza. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he, um, and we were just about to film the shot. He just kind of turns to me and just totally cool. Like, Hey Eric, are we rolling? As in you didn't set the camera, you idiot. Like, you, like, you didn't hit record. So I had, like, the, the AD next to me and all that, and I was just, like, calmly kind of looking at our starting frame, like, hey, do you, is that wine truck supposed to be in there right there? And this guy kind of, like, panics and looks on, like, the, the you know, the monitor, and there's, like, this modern 21st oh, yeah. century wine truck. He's like, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll call locations and all that. I'm like, okay, uh, I have an idea. I'll, I'll come back, land the drone, keep her ready to go. So that by the time you figure out where they're supposed to yeah. be, like, our battery's still good. Yeah, Our battery's still good. He's like, yeah, good thinking. And we land the drone. <laughs> and there we go. We walk over. We hit record. And we're just like, whew. Wow. That could have been it right there. That could have been the end of it. There's been so many times where we came so close to meeting our doom, but. Thank God for the wine truck. No, yeah, that, that, yeah, wine truck that wine truck, cool. truck saved us. Thanks for messing That's up. That's incredible. Yeah, so uh, make sure to hit record. That's another thing you got to remember to do. <laughs> and if you don't, blame it on the wine truck. So. Yeah, and hope there's a wine truck in your shot. If not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Long story short, we ended up getting back in the air, nailing these shots, and uh, it was, it was, it was the weirdest high of my life I ever had happen in that half hour. Because as I was filming these shots, these were uh, more like junior eighties, and they were like really high energy. They, they, the fact that I was like, yeah, these shots went good. They were kind of mirroring that because they wanted to be seen as the whole drone shoot going mm. as successful for them as mm-hmm. well, right? Um, and then we went into like the, you know, the, like the black tent where they got the, you know, the video village mm-hmm. and the directors and stuff. And there was no one in there, but the director and it was a super bright day out. So I came in there with my footage and all that. And, uh, it was just me, the one AD and the director in there. And, um, and I put my, uh, my, my card and remember how I said it was rolling the whole flight because we had no way to control the shutter on the red, what was being lifted. Um, this, uh, director, he would see the opening frame of the shot that was like way far back. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, they wanted me to start way further back than yeah. where the action was, and I was just pretty much closing in on yeah. it and like coming down and kind of revealing it over a tree and all that. And he and I, I know you said to keep it clean on here, but I'll mirror what he was saying. And he was just like, "That's garbage. That's fucking shit." Next. And so I just went through this high of just like filming this scene, and now I got this like director oh. from LA, and he's just like, "Terrible, terrible, terrible." Did you guys even shoot anything? And then, and then the 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 AD with me, he's like, no, 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 you got to see the end of it. You got to see the end of it. So then we go to the end. He's like, oh, wow, wow, that's really good. 
That's really fucking good. <laughs> good work, guys. Good job. That is a, that we're gonna put that one in the show. Good job, guys. And I'm just like I walk out of the It's tent, a roller coaster. Ride. And I just went from here to there to here. <laughs> like yeah, up high, down low, yeah, up high for you guys who are listening. Who can't see. Yeah. <laughs> so that was yeah, I was I was on a I was on a bit of a rush that day after that all got done. So yeah, so ended up, a lot of those directors are that personality though. It's just like this is trash. I hate you, or I love this. I can kiss you. It's back yeah. and forth, all or nothing. It all it all, be, it all really comes down to like how the shot reflects of them. If it reflects well of them, they'll they'll like kind of take the ownership of this is amazing. If they don't like it, they don't want to take mm-hmm. on that kind of ownership of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been my experience. I I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's um, just human nature. Mostly. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, from there, yeah, the shot went good. They hired us back for. I think we came on set four days for for that show, and then we made a lot of connections in the process and got hired onto some other shows that summer and all that. Uh, learned a lot, like being on set has been like it's a it's a crazy flying drones on movies is definitely not for everyone it is a ton of pressure because Mm -hmm. uh you're trying you're in a very tense situation there's a you're doing a very physical difficult thing when you're trying to like make these perfect shots Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other variables that like the actors have to do everything right yeah the pyro if there's pyrotechnics yeah it's like everything has to be perfect and it goes wrong it often falls on me. do, and yeah. there's costs involved with that. Yeah, yeah they, like in the, there's a lot of shots that we get asked to do where it's like... Uh, we're I would say a lot, but every now and then yeah, like, we, we get, get asked to do a shot where it's like... Yeah, there's a guy who uh, it's like, do a nice, right. follow him nice and steady, but he's either limping from the show or he's dragging a body or dragging his friends. So, like, they'll, the actors, they'll be, like, moving, they'll get some decent pace going, but then they'll trip and, like, completely stop. And, and meanwhile, like, I'm filming on this moving drone. If I stop the drone, it'll be, like, the shot will be jarring, you know what yeah. I mean? Cause I, I, so I'm trying to, like, kind of keep them framed up and all that. I'll total, I wouldn't say I lose my angle, but I'm having to now... I have to improvise as what's going on right. in front of me. And that improvisation that I have to do to keep the shot rolling is sometimes not exactly with what, you know, the creatives at B have in mind for what they want. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, you got to have pretty thick skin. You got to be prepared yeah. for someone to tell you they don't think you're good every right. now and then. Because, right. you know, at the end you got to go like until they say cut and if the actor trips and falls then it's a, it's a, yeah, I mean, there's, a there's, there's, there's obvious things here and there where it's obviously the actor and all that, but there's, especially because at the end of the day too, a lot of these people, they're not, they don't work with drones every day. You know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're a lot of times you're being directed on drones, like, and that's not all cases. There's a lot of guys who like are really familiar with it, especially as it becomes more and more a common thing. But there's definitely been instances where, uh, like, and, and some of the, the really good directors and UPs, they'll, they'll, they'll even like say, yeah, honestly, I don't like. What do you guys think we should do? That's always my favorite is when I get, when I get asked because I've I've done it, you know. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I know what mm-hmm. how to do. And I'm not like obviously they have way more experience than me in that, but maybe not necessarily on a drone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a very tense thing because you're under like the physical pressure of trying to do like a really. Um, like fine motor movements under a tremendous amount of like stress because there's a lot on the line there's your reputation and all that it could go wrong so easy. it could go wrong so easily you could crash your drone you could mess up there's a lot of ways it you could forget to hit record yeah that, that, that hasn't ever happened since that was that was uh, that was a one-time lesson yeah. um and yeah they um 
Yeah, no, they. But there's a lot that can go wrong. So a lot of it is like being able to perform. Not only have a good eye for what you're doing, but being able to like mentally handle the pressure enough that you can calmly go about what you're doing while receiving the direction and feedback of what they want you to be doing while being focused enough to carry it out while still being receptive to that feedback. So And, and he also has to keep an ear open for me in case he's coming a little bit too close, close to a tree or other obstacles. He has to just completely abandon the shot sometimes yeah, if it's too risky. He has to do what no man can really do. Multitask. <laughs> well... <laughs> One, one of the things, one of the, because I've often wondered, because there's been a lot of people who have, like, tried to do drones in movies and stuff, and they just can't do it, because they, they break under the pressure of it, mm-hmm. and one of the things, I'm like, okay, why can I do it, and, and what, what I've kind of seemed to figure out is what it's been is, this is, like, totally unrelated to, like, anything here, but I, I, I train uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a whole bunch, so I, I've, like, competed in, like, uh, like American nationals and worlds a couple times and like Pan Americans and stuff like that. And it, uh, what I think it is, is one thing I've really kind of picked up from that is how to obviously keep your wits under pressure when you have someone who's like a trained martial artist, literally trying to kill you <laughs> when you're flying, um, you know, drones on sets or movies, it kind of like, not to say like, honestly, nowadays I find flying drones to be more stressful than right. fighting, but being able to just get used to that being calm under pressure and, and yeah, you're, you can at least tell yourself, at least I'm not in any physical danger. Yeah. <laughs> Despite though I'd rather be in some instances. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, from, from what I can tell also, a big factor of what helps you fly on set too, I think is also your ADD. Um, yeah. It, it helps you bounce from one thing to another really quick. Cause that's rapid, just what you're naturally, that's your natural state of mind. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause you're, you're, what you said is totally true. There's no such thing as, um multitasking there's no two things at once it's so back and so forth, right? you, so i guess what i'm doing is i'm very rapidly switching to like holding camp holding my sticks i'm listening to feedback implementing the feedback yeah. controlling it observing what's what right. effect i'm doing is having yeah. on the shot while being receptive yeah. to feedback while also thinking yeah. ahead of where i need to be yeah. doing next to keep that frame going it's funny though because you say um it's funny because i mean you have to operate in that way but it's almost totally opposite when you're when you're creating that brochure and you're just like hyper focused on that one thing and yeah. you can't have any other distractions yeah. around you, you just need to be working on that. So it's just interesting how your brain works. Yeah, well, to... I like to use the word hyper focus too because that's what it is. It's like, um, it's like you're you're either in a state where your brain's totally engaged and you have your whole yeah. kind of consciousness like engaged in yeah. the task, and that's kind of the way I need to be if I find myself where I have I'm trying to do too many different things at a time. What ends up happening is I just keep rapidly switching between right. tasks and. But that way, it works good for you. In the it sense does. That it, oh, when you're operating a drone, because yeah. you can go passionately from each yeah. sort of stimulus to the next sort of thing. Totally, totally. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, uh, like just basic. There's, there's a reason hate for business manager. Well, I'm say, I'm saying, <laughs> that, would, that would work against you if you're having to answer emails, but yeah. you're, you're and you're just basically not getting anything done. Yeah. Because the process to get something done. In those instances, it's a lot longer that require more time, more focus. <laughs> Whereas in a drone shot, if it's a 30-second shot, well, it bodes well for you to be able to jump around every second. Yeah, well, all it, different things. well it's, it's not, not even like it's a 30-second shot. Like, when you're when you're filming drone shots, mm-hmm. um, they're, they they drag on so long. Like, it feels like you're doing it forever. Like, really? Yeah, it drags on, and it's like by the second, you're just like... Right. Because there's just so much going on, like it's, I don't know how to explain it, but 
it's, it's like, like similar in fighting like when you're especially when you're new and you're fighting like your matches will feel like they go like there'll be like a five minute match when you start you'll feel like you're there for 20 minutes like it just time totally bends by the perception of what's going on in your head yeah that's cool yeah it's like uh, yeah and that's a whole other topic conversation yeah okay top theory of relativity yeah (laughs) which I have my own opinions on um so yeah no that's that is an amazing uh it's amazing how it works but even still though like to you know I just bring it back to the example of writing an email Mm -hmm. you know even though the drone maybe drone 30 second drone shot is short but even if it was like a five minute drone shot it's still a relatively short period of time yeah like if you have to draft an email it's going to take you yeah 30 minutes or something yeah there's a lot to pick apart in the email yeah 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 well I guess for me like uh one thing I find helps a ton with that in terms of like my productivity and I've I've actually I've really noticed it over the past like month and a half is um like for me personally if i'm not like active i'm not like going to the gym every day i'm not training i'm not eating right i notice a massive change in my productivity and it's just like i don't know what neurotransmitters are to whack in your brain but um just like kind of having that um i don't know that outlet of energy allows you to kind of be way more mindful throughout mm. like the day when you're working mm-hmm. it's just kind of something i've personally noticed mm-hmm. has had like a profound effect on my general like effectiveness in the mm-hmm. day for sure so eat your veggies kids i don't eat any veggies <laughs> ever <laughs> don't I'm, I'm on like a i'm on like a carnivore diet actually yeah, yeah. it's not paleo it's no it's uh, it's like i only eat meat yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you're thinking of keto, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that. Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm like 100. I'm probably like 70 or 80% carnivore. Um, but. So like you, you eat other stuff. It's not like it's like some strict moral thing. It's just you're, you're eating meat because you prefer to eat meat. Well, no, I think there's a lot of health benefits to it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Whole other discussion. Yeah, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> Cool. We're at an hour and ten minutes. Okay. Um. So, do we want to keep going? I'm. Cool. I'm, I'm it's cool. really up to you guys. I'm. I'm totally so, cool. So I guess I want to just maybe. Uh, so that's that's like, that's a you know really cool story from start to finish. I kind of answered some of the questions because uh, I, um, I've heard I have heard the story before an abbreviated version yeah I, i've had to tell I, I get used to trying to tell it yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway so it's been kind of nice to give you the full spiel well yeah, yeah no, it's great to hear the full spiel because i think people want to know like yeah. you just you know listen to it here um and you can save you having to do it over yeah like here, here's the link yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but like even just hour. just your relate just the relationship you had with you know john dykstra and and even just the way, you know, you transitioned into, uh, you know, the Alberta film industry, because that was one of my questions was, you know, did it pay off for you guys doing, you know, all that work sort of for quote unquote free at the time, but obviously you got paid out and, yeah. and all it led to, you well, know, and, and we, were never, we never thought we weren't going to get paid. Right. We, we, right. They were, they've always like, well, we would take care of you guys. And like, mm-hmm. in our minds, we had no idea what we were yeah. going to get. We weren't sure if we were going to get, like, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands right. of dollars, right. or hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Like, and it, at that point, it probably didn't matter too much as yeah. for you guys, as long as, like, you were getting something to compensate for your time. Yeah. But but anyway, I think, like, the, the evolution has been cool. So that kind of leads me to the next question. I'm going to kind of, like, you know, Hayden here, um, uh, the, you know, the younger brother, 
you know, where where did you fit in? Because it sounds like you were right by your... You remind me of my younger brother in a way where... Um, totally different situation, but I, I was... Uh, again, totally different situation. I'll just tell you a tiny little story. When I was um, t- nine or ten years old, my mom had a, a, a seizure. I was going to say epileptic seizure. It wasn't epileptic seizure. And I was the only one home. I was at home with my brother at the time. And I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my mom comes into my room. And she starts looking at her eyes in the mirror. And uh, she's like, do my eyes look weird? And I don't really think of them. And then she, like, lays down on her bed, on my bed. And I start to kind of panic because, like, this is really unusual behavior. Mm-hmm. And she starts saying, you know, am I dying? Am I dying? And I'm, I'm a nine-year-old kid. Like, yeah. this is traumatic. And I'm like... So I start freaking out, and sure enough, she starts convulsing. I have no idea what a seizure is, and really, seizures aren't the most harmful of things. Yeah. But at the time, I had no idea. So I call nine one one. My brother's right there with me, along by my side for the ride. And mm-hmm. frankly, I'm trying to like he's quite a bit. He was three years younger, so he was like six. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling nine one one. Nine one's telling me what to do. I'm kind of running back and forth. Cole's sort of like freaking out. And, um, and sort of, but he's right there with me. Anyway, fast forward a few months and I get a call from, uh, I don't know even where the city of Edmonton or something. And I'm receiving the civic award for bravery for kids. And, uh, it was kind of this, I had this like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of fame where, um, so I was honored with this award, Mm -hmm. you know, I was in the newspapers and they had this big thing at city hall and I was, you know, given a medal and this plaque and they played back the the tape and then I got some exposure. And so a channel at the time, they had me on in the morning. Anyway, I remember I had this, you know, this nice plaque and my poor, my poor, I don't know my poor mom, but you know, I think my poor brother here he was right by my side the whole time yet he's getting all i'm getting all the attention <laughs> yeah um and anyway my mom ended up making a plaque for him like it was like a pity oh, that's sweet. yeah it was sweet but he always knew like i didn't you know make the call but mm-hmm. um it makes me think about that so i'm just curious as like how it, has that been you know because your brother seems to be kind of in the limelight of all this and there yeah i feel he's like the face man of the company yeah, yeah but i feel like you were you've been kind of like my brother was when i was going through this intense thing you were been right there for yeah. him and with him so yeah. how's your involvement uh interestingly enough uh, right around the time when we were filming x-men i was both working at smart drones helping them start the business as well as uh finishing my own degree at university but uh it was it was just a generic arts degree in psychology. I didn't really see it going anywhere. So halfway through it, I decided to drop out of school to work full time with smart drones because, for obvious reasons, I felt like that path had a much brighter future. So um, that's kind of where I was with all of it. And it's not like I've been completely out of the limelight. I've done a few interviews myself. Um, I believe while Eric was busy at one interview. Um, I did a paper interview with the St. Albert Gazette. So um, I definitely got some of the media attention for sure. And then um, I've, I've never really been big on fame or notoriety. I'm more of like an introverted type person. So I'm fine with skipping past that and just running the company with my family. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we've, I've been on the news on other shoots. Um, there's that one time we were doing the um, Edmonton Riverboat shoot, and um, 
uh, I believe it's the Edmonton River Queen is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so um, this was this was uh, this summer actually, and uh, we were doing some drone shoots of the um, of the ferry going across the river, uh, doing some lifestyle footage. Uh, but on the way back, uh, the boat actually got stuck in the water. It wasn't stuck on the bottom or anything, but it was due to the um, expansion of the LRT. It actually narrowed the river and increased the rate at which the river flowed. So um, what ended up what was supposed to be like a two hour shoot for me and Eric uh, ended up going till 2 a.m. because the riverboat was stuck and they had to um, evacuate everyone off the boat like five at a time with Edmonton Fire Rescue. So um <laughs> Uh, yeah, that ended up leading to an interesting story, and uh, it was kind of funny to see the different reactions of the people on the boat. Um, there's there's a lot of people who are just happy to have an extended booze cruise, uh, and then there's some other people who were acting like we were on the middle of the Titanic and we were all going to drown, even though if the boat sank, it would probably touch the bottom in five feet. So, so how does... um? So, yeah, it's, I mean, again, it's interesting to hear the dynamic of your guys' relationship and the mm-hmm. business. So I kind of want to move maybe into, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of time here about, about the um, sort of the nature of your business a little bit and how yeah. that kind of operates. So um, you kind of had hinted at, uh, you know, uh, like a parent company and you and Hayden, then you had sort of mentioned you kind of wanted to help the family. So was this always was this always like an Eric and Hayden thing, or was it always was it did it start out as an Eric it, thing? Or it what? started off out as an Eric thing, yeah. Um, originally, how we started off um, was, as you know, and we mentioned before uh, on this podcast, is that our dad was a lawyer, and he had, deals with a lot of environmental cases, and um, so he wanted to use the drone um, to just demonstrate to the boards and decision makers what the actual lay of the land was rather than having lawyers argue over charts and maps, just leaving everything completely ambiguous. So, um, he originally wanted to fly the drone himself, but he was no good at it. He brought it pretty quick. Yeah. He brought it out to the lake and, uh, Eric was there and, uh, he was crashed into the trees a couple of times. His problem was, um, when you, when you hit forward on the drone, it goes forward and relative to its heading. He was right. never looking at the FPV camera. Right. He was just looking at the yeah. drone like it was a model airplane. So he would rotate it around, right. and then he'd get completely disoriented. So you boom, right into the trees every time. So then Eric came up um, and said, hey, can I give it a go? And he was all, this is a serious piece of equipment. It's expensive. Don't mess it around. Don't mess around. It's really hard to fly, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but... Eric picked it up pretty quick. Yeah, and that was a that would have been a Phantom Two back in the summer of 2014. So that was kind of when we first got into drones. Then and um, yeah, at the time I was I was actually like I was working as a construction worker and I was I was literally just like work for, and I hated it. So I I was I was pretty much like working as a construction worker as well as. Um, uh, just training in like jujitsu and MMA a ton. Like I was kind of more so at the time of a mindset that like I wanted to kind of pursue a career in fighting of all things. And uh, like I was traveling like internationally and competing in tournaments and stuff. And like I was um, simultaneously like the provincial champion in both BC and Alberta in like my division and stuff like that. So that was kind of where my focus was. And then um, with the whole with the drones, kind of did was. 
uh, it was an opportunity for me to make money and not have to work construction because at the time I would just like work for like a few months on a project or a building and then when you know the building would be done I would like leave the company yeah. <laughs> you know and like I would be like just saving money as living yeah. with my parents and stuff and just live off of that and train yeah and uh, Hayden was like full time in school like just like in his degree and stuff I still remember when we first started Smart Drones too his uh, his girlfriend at the time was like ripping on it so aggressively yeah she was that she was haters man yeah it was always oh man we've had X-Men yeah oh man that was well before X-Men it was nice to get X-Men though and be like yeah, they, we, 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 me and Hayden each got a little bit of that. We got a like with, with the whole fame of X Men. It was a great way to like kind of validate everything we'd done up until that point. Because everyone's like, "What the heck are you yeah, starting yeah. a drone company?" Yeah, yeah. But like looking back, it was like the best decision ever because it's like such an emerging market, and yeah. stuff like that. And um, yeah, no, and, and it was really interesting. We got to experience like kind of I guess what you would like totally different like what you were talking about. What you would have felt when you were nine getting all that exposure. I was like 21 getting that also. I had like all sorts of people from my past like hitting me up aggressively within like a two week period. I'm like, I don't think I've really changed. I think everyone's just, you know, uh, it was to the point where there was like people that my friends knew who I had no idea who they are. Yeah. They were telling people they knew us and right. stuff like that yeah. just because of yeah. that, you know, that That's, two weeks of yeah. local superstardom, I guess, whatever you want to call yeah. it. That happens with celebrity, I think, and you're right. Yeah. It, yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're, you're high up on a pedestal for people and they want to somehow get there with you. So yeah, whatever the way they can. Just I, had it. I had like the same kind of thing because I did parkour and oh, I started yeah. it in grade 12. Man, everyone was just hating on me. They're just like, oh, you're garbage. I'm just like, I'm starting out. Like, I'm having fun. Course, of course I'm <laughs> garbage. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, like, there was no one here. It was watch a YouTube video and be like, well, that was cool. Like, let's try it kind of thing. And yeah. All of a just made, like, fun little videos. But then, like, I went on and I went to Vegas and I competed in the world, like, an international competition. Yeah. second place. Right on. And, like, all these things. And then people were just like, hey, good job, like. Good work. Like, wow. Like, you're the parkour guy. And then, I, like, I would see people from high school and be like, you still doing parkour? And I'd be like, like, this was a few months ago. And I'd be like, yeah, I am. I was like, yeah, we started a company. And we're the only gym in Edmonton. And, like, we have world-class athletes and all these things. And they're just like, wow. Dang. Like, we're just jealous. I think it just comes down to just jealous, right? Yeah. yeah they, they see they see that you're taking an opportunity, a risk. Yeah. You know, you're doing something that... A lot of people, I think, have the cojones to do, you know, and so they want to see you fail because it makes them feel better. Yeah, it's just easy to punch down. It's general human nature. Well, and and that's like a huge, like, differentiating characteristic between successful and non-successful people Mm -hmm. you'll see is, like, you're never going to see, like, really successful people, like, really knocking people. Yeah, exactly. And then the people who are, like, oh, what, you're starting that? Oh, you're trying that? Not, Not very often, often do you see those people, people going on to do great things. It's one thing I've really observed. They're, so. they're usually a little bit neurotic in their own sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's not like status quo kind of jobs where it's like, oh, like, go get a job. No one's going to think, oh, I fly a drone for a living. Like, well, do this kind of well the, oh, then you get the, well, how, how do you guys do what you do? It's like, yeah. wow. Well, <laughs> well, it's like, I tried. It's, it's funny, though, because, like, I got, we got our start in a, in a very similar way. I hated working for the life of me, like, labor yeah. jobs, and, 
I just was putting money away and then uh, there was an opportunity basically presented itself to start photography as a business really yeah. kind of thing and uh, so that's sort of how we you know we got our I got my start was just an opportunity presented itself and I had a little bit of money saved up and an opportunity and I just went with it and you know sort of grown into yeah. a business um, so I could definitely I hear what you're so it sounds like it's sort of the opportunity, you know, through your dad, ironically, through my mom, that opportunity came up for me to start photography. She was, yeah. she was uh, on this trail riding, equestrian trail riding committees, uh, oh. and she saw an opportunity. She said, why don't you, why don't you buy a camera? It's a little different. She wanted to buy a camera and a computer, come up to these events and take pictures of these competitors and sell, you know, sell prints and action shots of these riders. So I went to one to, you know, very yeah. well and it's carried on. So sounds like this opportunity kind of, but all these things sort of played into it happening. Yeah. So then did you guys then take sort of the bit, because I think Hayden, your sort of title on your email signature is account executive or account 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 manager, account Account pilot and account manager. So, so the, but the point is, is like, did you, did you just sort of, did, uh, did you manage the business when I got started or was your dad kind of like a key advisor in, in helping you guys yeah absolutely he was he was definitely one of our mentors for sure yeah how, and how it actually all really kind of started um was um like we, we were initially started we did not know what direction we were going to go into like mm-hmm. the whole the whole the whole film side of things just kind of was a direction mm-hmm. that door that opened up right we're in the process of exploring other doors yeah, and right. like we we looked at like uh like aerial inspections, surveying, surveying all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. how that all kind of happened was, um, I remember when we, uh, that story Hayne was telling, when uh, we, you know, we got that first Phantom 2 Vision Plus back in uh, 2014, and he, he flew it, crashed it, and then I started flying it in circles around He flew and crashed it. Yeah, and crashed it. Yeah, not Hayden, so Keith, my dad. Uh, and then I was like, you know, flying this drone around and all that. And, um, it was there was three of us there it was my dad me and one of my dad's friends who's like a local business owner that owns an it company and we just kind of were like when drones first came out i don't know if you guys have ever had that experience when you get your first flight and it's kind of just like a whoa moment like i was like taken back because you now have this freedom to like kind of like visually see beyond what's there you can like control this drone and go far and, you know it just it's kind of it's really cool when you first do it that's the one thing i guess is i'm pretty dumb or like you know numb to that now just because mm. we've done it like thousands mm-hmm. of times but um Take it for granted a little bit yeah sort of the creative power that you, yeah that this gives you and yeah the viewpoints absolutely. that you're given yeah and i just not normal yeah and i just remember us flying this we're like whoa there, and at this time drone companies were not really a thing here they, there was pretty much nobody and we we're just like whoa like a realtor would pay so much money for that shot right, right there right, and, we, right. and immediately our brains were just like thinking yeah. like ways to like monetize yeah. this and at the time initially what smart drones was was kind of like a three-way partnership between like me as like the guy who would actually be like going out and like creating operating functions of the business and all that um how old would i have been i probably you know what i was probably like 20 at the time yeah i was i would have been 20 i remember i was 19 when we were doing yeah i was 20 and just when i moved out and and we were just kind of floating the idea for like a year of um like how to kind of start this off as a business like it was initially just me going out and getting photos and videos of well sites and stuff for my dad for mm-hmm. as like environmental cases and then that's when we after a year of doing that and 
actually getting requests from other lawyers to start. Um, they were like, well, where are you getting this drone footage and photos from? And they're like, oh, we, we, we were doing it ourselves. And then they started like wanting to get it done. And that's where we're like, okay, there's a business here and all that. And then um, long story short, we ended up like uh, separating. And so it was just like my dad and I doing it. And then um, from there, picked me up. Yeah, and, and, and he was kind of just there. As, like, an advisory role, because I, I had no experience in business or anything at the mm-hmm. time, and, like, after, um, like, I think even when we first met you, he was maybe still a little bit more involved, more hands-on, like, he's, he's pretty much now just kind of involved with, like, the litigation mm-hmm. stuff we do, because we do, we have a sister company called, uh, Veritas Litigation Support that does, like, drone video evidence for lawyers, and, like, we do, we do quite a bit of projects on that, like, we actually just, the other week filmed, um, there's like a they're upgrading like some transmission lines in edmonton on the west end and putting like a, a new like hundred foot tall poles that go like mm-hmm. right through residential areas so we'd like go up and film that and use like motion graphics to like demonstrate like the routes of the lines and like right. impacts it with stuff and all like, yeah. the landowner concerns so it's like totally far left of what we do mm-hmm. of the the film industry mm-hmm. um but He's kind of more so involved with that, and then Hayden and I have kind of evolved to taking on, like, full ownership of, like, the whole smart drone side of things mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, the film and media mm-hmm. and all the various other businesses yeah. we do through smart drones. So, so that, I guess then, yeah, maybe is one of our my final questions is, uh, yeah, so what is the direction then, or what, what do you guys sort of... Uh, see where is it like what do you yeah what do you what are we going what do you guys do what else do you guys do or where are you guys going with it um well i can, i'll answer both of those questions so uh what we do right now is we do work in a combination of different industries the reality is is here in alberta uh at least at this stage in our growth there's not enough revenue coming in from movies alone from legal work alone for any one industry alone to like run an operable business but the fact that we do work in so many different industries allows us to like make enough money to like successfully kind of grow our business and you know still take off enough home for the both of us and um uh the kind of industries we do work in is we do a lot of work in like commercial real estate and stuff for like getting photos of like properties and stuff for you know people in that game is and stuff like that uh we also do a ton like we we get tons of just miscellaneous like requests because there's so many like what if things that people come up with for a drone for example uh last december we did like a scientific study on like light pollution in inside the city of jasper and we actually did like coordinated drone flights with parks canada in downtown jasper at night with like a spectrometer on our drone like at light readings and stuff um we do a lot of work um obviously litigation i've talked about that usually like disputes involving like land use uh like land development and stuff pipeline and pipeline power line right aways and routing um we even get like the odd like kind of environmental work here and there like we just recently uh like we're quoting to do a bunch of like environmental work up north just getting like photos of well sites or like proof of reclamation and stuff like that um and i guess kind of where what's interesting about our business is we get pulled in a lot of directions and uh what i would kind of like to do with smart drones is i would like to continue to obviously grow our, our business and 
generate like more work that we got coming in and we've had a really busy year this year every year we've been working we've consistently you know had more work each year and all that and this just this september alone was probably like we had so much work this past few months like i think last week we flew 17 projects whoa yeah yeah yeah, and then there's like some like it was the week before that was even more crazy. It wasn't in the sense that we were filming more jobs. It was like shooting Edmonton, shooting Vancouver, shooting Calgary, shooting Edmonton, shooting Calgary. Yeah. So we were like driving and flying all over the place. And um, where we're trying to, I guess, take it is uh, we we want to grow. Like I, ideally, I'd like to. Um, continue to get more work coming in, but also get more pilots, hire more kind of talent. Uh, and develop more talent so that, you know, we're still, like, kind of that A-list drone service provider, like, in an Alberta sense. Like, if you want, you know, high-quality work, you come to us, regardless of what industry you're in, you want it done right and competently. But people who know what they're doing, and then um, I would like to kind of also grow more into the film industry as well. Like, just recently, we're kind of going through the process of joining IATC 669, so that'll kind of open up a lot of doors for us in the film industry there. Um one of the things we'd like to do is like upgrade our drone equipment so that we have kind of like we already obviously have a red camera and stuff but we'd like to update some of our drones to like some more modern platforms with better gimbal systems and better transmission systems and fly heavier glass stuff like that maybe you get some pl glass and run some setups where you got like camera ops and focus pullers and stuff like that on our drones that's kind of more where i'm wanting to take the film side of things and find myself in a position where i'm still kind of overseeing all the drone operations going on through our company but i kind of go handle the the really technical flying and the stuff that's like on set and then um kind of growing our network of pilots to handle all the stuff in the various other industries that's kind of how i'm trying to push our growth yep <laughs> he said it. you're you're cool with that Aiden. yeah yeah we're... cool um yeah um i guess Really, the rest of it, 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 you know, I think it's you guys speak. Well, it speaks for itself. The work, you guys, like you guys, are the best in the in in the industry, in my opinion. Um, well, thank you. Just in terms of like, I've, you know, we've we've definitely searched and researched, you know, uh, drone operators throughout the years and worked with, you know, a couple, but. I've always found that I guess the the cool thing about you guys is that you know from from what I can tell and you know and then this is maybe a little bit sort of i don't know maybe i'm a bit not biased but maybe my viewpoint is a little narrow in that like you know when you need something a lot of times you go and google it right so my comparisons are are you know really what's out there on on you know if you google like drone pilots or whatever edmonton and drone edmonton but i mean in terms of equipment like you know, you definitely check off the standards, just the, the, you know, you're saying you want to upgrade, but that's like, I think what you're, what you're talking about is more on set cinematic and stuff when you, yeah. But I mean, for the general, like at least for the Edmonton or Alberta market and stuff, you're good there. You're not like, I don't see you guys as you're not the, the, although that's how ironically how you started. And I suppose that there's a, you know, there's a, there's a purpose in someone starting with a Best Buy kind of mm-hmm. drone, yeah. but the, the other thing, thing I like about you guys is that, you know, you're not, you know, if somebody wanted to hire you, so if you guys like what you are hearing on this podcast, I mean, you're you're not out of reach, per se, um, in terms of, like, your costs, and I, and I think that that's 
awesome, you know, and a, a huge thing. And I don't know how long that'll be, <laughs> you know, with depending on how busy you guys are getting. But really, comparably, you're not, a, you are a little bit more expensive, but I, you're also guaranteed, I think, a better uh, product, you know. Gotcha. So, and, and that's kind of what we're shooting for, right? We're not, we're, we're shooting for the boutique, like the high quality, um, even if we do end up costing a little bit more than the other guys. But the, but the value that you're going to get for that extra will be worth more than... The, the yeah, then she's kind of where we've always tried to position ourselves. Yeah. Well, I have so many more things I want to talk about, but uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Maybe cool. we can do this again. Um, there's more, definitely more uh, questions in terms of, you know, uh, like how you guys, you know, market currently. I mean, is it, you know, are you guys, do people find you online? Is it, are you word of mouth? Um, and, you know, I noticed too. You guys are uh, doing well for on terms of like your Instagram following. You mm-hmm. have quite a following, so you know. Yeah, I, I, I think, think for us, a big part of our podcast too has been you know being in a similar situation in business. We're always curious as to you know what does it take to sort of go to that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you can keep it short, I don't know if you want to answer those, or we can just yeah, yeah. Uh, like. So as like our marketing goes, honestly, like, uh, we don't do, we, we do, we do a lot of more kind of like individual marketing or sort of like, honestly, just past clients people we've worked with in the past and not even so much from like, cause we do a lot of, we do do work with like, um, I guess that's one thing I didn't really mention was like, we do a lot of work with different like production companies and stuff who, cause a lot of people when drones first became a thing, they, they kind of rushed into it and realized it's. One, there's a lot of legalities around it, and we take care of all of that. And right. two, like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard yeah. to get, like, a good drone shot. It's not hard to put a drone in there and maybe no. get a photo or two, right. but to get the kind of shots we do, it just it takes some experience. Yeah. And um, uh, so we kind of get brought in by a few different companies when they want to, you know, they have budget to bring in, you know, drone experts, I guess, and they want to get that kind of stuff. But... As far as, like, our marketing goes, uh, the biggest draw has been just, like, at, like paying money to Google and having a good website. Like, yeah, AdWords takes you a long way. AdWords and then also, like, a lot of the feedback we've gotten from a lot of our clients has been uh, just, like, our visual, like, you go on our website and we just seem very, like, we give you... Yeah, you just visually, like, we're, like, a strong brand online. Like, you go on our website and our website looks, like, we're yeah. the real deal. Like, we got a good logo. It, you show the equipment that you have. Obviously, the real you have. Yeah. I think you had mentioned the regulations and stuff and yeah. the certifications and all the, the hoops that, like, I think people are very, people think you can just go, you know, hire any drone guy or yeah. a drone. But, like, I know now, and you make the process very easy for us. It's like, hey, can you come by on this day? You guys do all the, like, you book with yeah. Now Canada yeah. and... You take, and that needs to be taken care of. Yep. And, if, and if people aren't taking if people aren't doing that, well, they can be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can, I mean, it's, it's on it's on them. Yeah, and I suppose that's not really the clients. But the, uh, yeah, no, it falls on the, the onus of the operator. But it shows it shows that you guys are invested in your process, that you care about what you do, that you that you your work is. Um, uh, you know that you're good enough to be able to continue growing your business so yeah needless to say you guys are like I always tell people like these guys are the guys to go to 100% even if they're even if they are a bit more expensive and really for the it's it's not like it's it's marginal and really it, it's an easy jump I think to go from 
the next guy down to you guys. So it's kind of like it's one of those things. Like why wouldn't you? So yeah, we just we, um, we usually we we just we 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 send our quote out, and if you know someone wants to go, you know, hire someone else, it's totally cool. We let them figure it out for themselves and usually once they have the experience with us versus some of the other people they kind of figure out you know it's well worth it it's worth their budget yeah for sure well we'll we'll leave it at that i have like i said i have more questions um maybe we can do this again sometime yeah we'd love to come back answer some of those questions and hey if you just want to talk about movies too (laughs) yeah definitely definitely um how are we doing at time here we are an hour and 38 minutes oh we're not even that far what time is it though it is for... Not that the listeners need to... But we are actually going to be heading to a shoot with these guys. What, so t- what time, what time are we planning on being there for? I just have that other pilot going to meet us. Yeah, so um, so just so the viewers, or listeners, viewers, <laughs> so listeners, if you want to meet us, we're... So golden hour 6.15 is when, is when we want to start shooting. I was thinking we could be scouting by uh, like an hour earlier okay. we're already running into that time so yeah, they want to meet us there in an hour like 45 minutes an hour got it um so for those people that are have heard our plans luckily we'll, we will have come come and went yeah if you see a drone flying around the west end it may be us yeah um so yeah like i said i think maybe next time i can log it here we should talk about, um, I'm curious as to what your guys' thoughts are on licensing, you know, your footage and, and, and what, you know, what the sort of the standard process is for your imagery and copy, yeah. copyright law. Yeah. Um, I'm have to get Keith here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah we actually, have a few good stories. We have a few good oh, really? stories actually involving licensing and stuff. Yeah, we could we could probably tell them without dropping too many names. Just yeah. we'll use some John Doe's here. We should. So some bigger entities. Keith would be great, actually. We should get Keith on next time, and maybe because that's a big to me. That's a big question mark and concern is like you know, like like copyright and licensing, and how do you know? How do you guys? Uh, give your images or give your video away yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that stuff I'm happy to talk about, but no, if we got a cutter, we could, there's always, you know, I'm sure there'll be other interesting things that'll happen in our world that we'll sure. be able to come in and chat about. Well, let's, uh, what do you think? We'll call her? Probably. Probably call her. But you know what? I would, I'm going to take you up on that if Keith would be down sometime yeah. because that is a specific thing I would like to talk about. And you're right. It would go go too too long. Um, the only other question I, I will... Uh, no, I'll leave it. Um, thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks for having us. And, uh, you know, we're going to um, think of some... Uh, uh, catchy ways to sort of attract people to, to listen to this podcast. I think that, you know, what you guys do, like I said, it sort of speaks for itself when you guys, you know, look at the work you guys have done. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. If you guys have any uh, questions or comments, feel free to leave them. Um, you can definitely see more of Smart Drones. You can follow them on Instagram at Smart Drones. Smart Drones. Smart Drones.ca. And Smart Drones.ca is uh, their website. So luckily they've maintained that domain. Um, yeah, I don't know if we ended up talking about that on the podcast. Uh, smart. That was a little bit before. Was it before? Yeah, anyway. Whole other. We'll talk about that with your dad. Smart Drones almost had their name uh, hijacked, but. Totally different story. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks guys for coming. 
Thank we'll you see y'all later. later.